Welcome, everybody, and thanks for joining us on episode 42 of Health Talk with Dr. Kell. We are in the middle of a What Is series. In episode 38, we discussed what is chiropractic. In episode 39, we discussed what is acupuncture. In episode 40, we talked about what is hypnosis. Last week, in episode 41, we discussed what is naturopathy. This week, we're discussing what is iridology. You've heard the expression, the eyes are the window to the soul, right? Well, are they also the window to the physical body? Let's discuss this. Welcome, everyone, to Health Talk with Dr. Kell. I'm Nikki Sterner, and this is podcast number 42 on what is iridology. Hi, Dr. Kell. Hi, Nikki. How are you? Good. How about yourself? Good. Before we get started on iridology, I wanted to do the quote of the day, if that's okay. Great. Okay. The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step by Lao Tzu. I like that. So, I do like that. I, I feel like, gosh, you know, when you're in a long-term project or a long-term thing you're working on, it feels like sometimes you just make one step every day and it just takes forever, but it's always worth it in the end, you know? Um, what are you thinking, Dr. Kell? What comes to mind... Yes, taking that first step is often difficult. Some of the hypnosis work I do uh, with people stopping their addictions. So you can apply that quote to stopping something, you know, taking that first step to end a bad habit or addiction. But also if you have a plan, you create a plan. I, I always like the idea that if you can uh, conceive something in your mind, come up with a plan on what to do, and then you begin to implement it, you can achieve it. So when you... Look at that. Uh, a lot of people think of cool things. Your imagination flows. You come up with ideas. But that's as far as it goes, right? Mm -hmm. You know, taking that first step may be making a plan to make it happen. Uh, or some may consider that first step as after you've made the plan, actually beginning to implement the plan. Uh, I think the hardest part with doing anything, and I struggle with this as, as most people do, as you begin, you take that first step, and then you get started, and you start going, and then something makes you go off the path a little, one side or the other, or you get tired, or you begin to procrastinate, or you you don't see. It's kind of like, you know, I've done a lot of hiking throughout the years, and I think you've done some of that, or but you've been in, uh, involved in sports, things like that, through high school, mm -hmm. college. Sometimes you get sidetracked, or, or, or the work is really hard, uh, yeah. When you first begin and then you become, you know, depressed or just feeling like, you know, I don't know if this is worth it. And so you quit or you just procrastinate for a time. And then after you're, mm -hmm. you know, like you take a hike. I mean, if you're hiking up a hill, and it's very steep. You might hike for a while, take a break, rest and then get up and keep on going. Or you might turn around and go back down if you think it's too hard. We do that yeah. all the time with stuff in life, right? We decide, oh, yeah. is, is the goal worth it? I'll keep going. If it doesn't seem worth it, I'll quit and go do something else. So it so much applies to life, but you never get anywhere if you don't take that first step, right? That's so true. That reminds me, Dr. Kell, like this week even, I'm in an audiobook narrator course, and there's a lot of different technical things that I'm learning um, from, you know, who publishers are, how to find work, what microphone interface computer to get, 
and how to use a digital audio workstation is what I'm on right now. And I was kind of stuck because the, the program doesn't really teach you that. It, it's on you to, to learn. And so you have to, you know, look up videos. And then so I finally booked a, a session, a 30 minute session with somebody who's here in Atlanta via Zoom. And so I'm going to get my my questions answered. Like, how do you go back and, you know, change one word once you're done? Because I don't, there's just like little things that have been holding me up. Like, and I'm like, ah, I don't even know how to find this out. So you could easily just, like you said, turn around and go back and just be like, ah, it's not worth it. But I feel like one little step is taking me to the next little step. And it feels good because it's something that I really enjoy. I'm finding like even researching what books to, to do demo samples on. There's so many good books out there and it's really exciting, but there's a lot of work little you know tedious things to learn but like you're saying like if you just you know keep on taking one step forward even if it's one step a week at least you're moving forward and you're going to get there so that's what this reminds me of i like that i like how you're you're talking about that too because it made me think while you're talking about that that oftentimes we have an idea and and maybe it's something new that no one's ever come up with before or or maybe it's something that's been done before, but you don't know how, you, you go, that sounds good, I, I'd like to do that, but you have no idea on how to do it, so you start looking and reading and, and finding out more. But oftentimes when we're, here, I'll give you an example, hiking. You know, I hiked for years, I was in the, I was a scout master in the Boy Scouts a couple of different times, I worked with my kids, you know, I have five sons. Mm. I did, uh, we lived in Colorado, we did plenty of hiking, and, and I remember you know, when I first started hiking, it's kind of like, wow, um, you know, you're hiking up the hill. And, and, and I noticed some people using walking sticks. And I, I thought, oh, I don't need those walking sticks. I'm strong. I can do that. Well, mm-hmm. eventually, I started using walking sticks and went, whoa, what a difference. <laughs> and, really? Oh, my goodness, what a difference using walking sticks make when you're hiking up a mountain. Why? And coming down. It's just, you know, your hands are involved. For, first of all, it gives you a little bit more exercise because now your hands are moving. Um, mm. But it it uh, really takes the load off your legs. Just your overall body is now being used instead of just your legs. And, you know, it doesn't expend quite as much energy focusing on just the muscles in your legs. So you're able to do a lot more and go a lot faster. And, oh, wow. And both, both hiking uphill and coming down, I found the walking suits beneficial. My point being there is that I got that information from somebody else. And sometimes mm-hmm. when you're doing a task, I found lowering your pride or, or just taking that step. Sometimes it's hard to ask someone for help. And maybe that's pride or whatever you might want to call it. But, or maybe you just don't know who to ask. If you can get help from someone else, a coach, or like you said, you've scheduled this appointment to help have someone answer your questions to help you along the path. Yeah. We need that. I've always been the kind of person that, let me see if I can figure this out on my own first before I yeah. ask for help some, for someone else. But in many things I've done, I've, I reach a point where I can't get any farther, I can't figure it out, and so I need help, and I go seek for help. Although sometimes there have been things where I'm not sure where to go for the help, where I, I go to look mm-hmm. for it and I can't seem to find it. But like anything else, you decide, you, you come to a point to where you decide either I quit now and give up, go on to something else, or I just keep pushing. And I found throughout my life, I mean, there's many things I'm doing. Uh, too many things. People might say I've got ADD or something because I'm always, I always have these thoughts about things I want to try and do and, and this and that. And 
But I found I, I can, you know, there's a philosophy in life where some very wealthy people have said, you, you, you get an idea, you take that task, you keep on going until it's done and, and focus just on that and nothing else. And maybe that is the best way to do it. I don't know. Um, I've been more the other way where, you know what, I can, I can do many things. I'm going to do a little bit on this today and then go over here and do a little bit of this. And I, I get bored easy, too, i got to admit. And so sometimes I'll work on something, I'll reach a point of frustration or, or boredom, and I'll go, okay, I'm going to set that aside for a little while and I'm going to go over and work on this. And uh, it, it's probably taking me longer to ultimately get any one task completed, depending on what it is, of course. But that's kind of the way I like to do it, and, and I think I get more enjoyment out of life doing it that way. Yeah, variety is the spice of life, right? Yes. So, yeah. article of the day. Okay. Article of the day. Uh, gas stoves are a threat to health and have larger climate impact than previously known studies show. And this is an article on CNN, uh, actually a very recent one, uh, January 27, 2022, by Rachel Ramirez from CNN. Gas stoves and ovens emit more planet-warming gases than scientists previously knew, according to a new study. Scientists at Stanford University found the emissions from gas stoves in U.S. homes have the same climate warming impact as that of half a million gasoline-powered cars, far more than scientists have previously estimated. So it's a big problem because we use gas everywhere, right? Everybody's got gas stoves, they got gas furnaces, they got gas water heaters. So, But the science is showing that all of these devices leak. That little percentage of leaking methane is bad for the environment, bad for the ozone layer. Not only that, but it's also bad for our health. Apparently, uh, if there's leakage, um, it has even a greater effect on the health of children and elderly with immune-compromised individuals. So if you're exposed to that, you need to make sure that if you're using gas that uh, you're careful with it. And, and they suggest that when you burn gas, that you burn it at higher temperatures turned up so that the, the hotter and higher the flame, the, the more that gas is burned. But even when you're using it, you should always turn the fan on. They say it's an issue with people who live in smaller homes or in apartments that have gas stoves. Typically, there isn't good ventilation, so one should be concerned about that. And the effects of this gas on you can cause issues with your brain, can cause issues with your gut, your lungs, etc., 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 it's a concern, and so I just wanted to cover that for people so they knew, you know, there's a little bit of a dilemma there too, though. We can't change completely to electric here in the United States. We're constantly talking about a shortage of electricity, and in mm -hmm. peak times of the year where it's excessively cold or excessively hot, uh, sometimes there's really blackouts uh, where they have to black out certain sections of cities or areas uh, because the power grid's taking on too much draw. So. Wow. Once again, a kind of dilemma, the same thing going on with electric cars and gasoline. You know, we're always in this battle to trying to find balance. There's enough science, I think, to show that we are affecting our atmosphere, um, though there are always scientists on the opposing side saying that uh, uh, global warming is, is something that's gone on forever on the planet and it cycles. And there, there's a constant battle and conflict everywhere, but the simple fact, I think, is, and, and the biggest concern here, and from my perspective, isn't so much necessarily that, oh, we should switch to electricity and stop using the gas because it is good for the ozone layer necessarily. My biggest concern is the health 
of individuals. And if those systems are leaking in your house and you know have small leaks in the system and you're getting exposed to that gas, that's bad on your health. Yeah. That, I know when I start the, the stove, we have a gas stove. Um, I smell that gas. A lot of people oh, don't yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. We have it's gas just, too. And, yeah. And smell it. So next time you go to turn your stove on, make sure your fan's on when you first start it up. Uh, continue to use it while you're cooking. And so it'll suck those fumes out. Um, hopefully you have decent ventilation in your house. So even when it's off, if there is some small leaks, uh, that they're not significant enough to affect your health. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about iridology. Iridology. Some parts okay. of the world, they might say iridology. This is something that's been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years, that uh, people have looked into the eye and considered it a source of diagnosis. And really, iridology is, from my perspective and understanding, it's a, it isn't necessarily a treatment, it's a diagnostic tool. And it's mm. more commonly used, I guess, throughout Europe and parts of Asia. Let me talk a little bit about the history here, at least of modern iridology. It was first popularized in 1881 by Dr. And of course, I'm going to butcher these names. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Ignaz von Presley in his book, Discoveries in the Field of Natural Science and Medicine, where he published the first iridology chart. Subsequently, Dr. Bernard Jensen compiled one of the first modern charts in 1950. The practice is more commonplace in Europe than in North America, but is growing in its adaptation. A study involving 800,000 patients discovered that iridology can be an effective form of diagnosis in as many as 85% of cases. So, very interesting there. A trained iridologist can recognize and identify patterns in nerve bundles known as trabecula, which are pervasive in the iris. These nerves display information relayed by the ocular motor nerve from the various organs and systems in the body to give an indication of their state of health. So it's interesting when the iridologist looks into your eye, he looks at the iris color, the brightness, whether light or darkness of that area, placement and shape of the trabecular fibers, rings and other discolorations shading in the white parts of the eye. With this information in hand, an iridologist will compare these findings against a chart indicating potential health concerns which have triggered changes in the iris. They will also take measurements over time to track changes indicating the progression or regression of an ailment. So which conditions can iridology be used to detect? This article mentions 10 conditions that can be used for uh, detection. Okay. I've looked into iridology, looked at the equipment and considered using it in the practice and I'm still looking at possibly using it, using it the, in the practice. And, and now as I've looked up a few research articles, um, I'm considering even more. It's, it's another diagnostic tool. So we do many things here in the office with patients when they come in based on what they're coming in for. And so iridology or using, using an eye scope which today you've got magnification levels that uh, so you can look at the eye through an electronic scope hooked up to your computer and uh, see it in a very large way which then you can look at the chart and uh, use that as part of your diagnosis to decide what nutritional supplementations or or what program someone needs to follow to help improve their health and you can also use it after they've been treated a while to see, okay, is the condition improving? 
here we go. Um, hypertension, hyperthyroidism, liver problems or issues, gallbladder issues, general inflammation in the body if your, if your immune system is running in overdrive or if your immune system is weakened and not working well. Digestive issues, which are always commonly... I think we see more people for digestive issues than anything else in here when they come in for a nutritional evaluation. Allergies are a big one. Allergy sensitivity. Studying the eye can give you some ideas as to why you have those allergies, what in your physical body is connecting that. We always know, or at least all our information and knowledge is tied back that many allergies are all back to the function of your gut and the function of your liver. In those two areas, uh, you, you resolve those things, and oftentimes the allergies go away. Mm. Uh, lymphatic health. We've talked about the lymph system and how it functions, how it works and as part of the immune system. You can, you can actually see if that you have excessively high cholesterol levels. It can uh, be used as a diagnostic tool to confirm. You know, oftentimes people take blood mm. tests and they say, oh, your cholesterol level's high. Well, one of the things they never really talk about in the medical community will a blood test is a snapshot. It's like taking a picture. And so at that very moment, you draw the blood, and that's what your blood looks like at that moment. It doesn't tell you the running 24-hour cycle of, of how much cholesterol you have in the blood. You might have a spike at that moment for some reason. The, a lot of people think that, oh, I eat cholesterol. I'm going to have high cholesterol. We've talked about this before. It's not about the cholesterol you put in your body that's going to end up in your blood. It's what your liver decides to do with what you eat that determines the levels of cholesterol in your blood. So most of that most of that is broken down in your system and then the liver reconstitutes it based on what it the brain and what the body is decided that you need in your system. So there's a reason why your cholesterol levels by the liver have increased. Uh, and, and there may be a good reason for it, maybe a bad reason for it. If your liver's not functioning well, it may be a bad reason. If your liver's functioning well and produ producing higher amounts of cholesterol, and we've talked about this before too, there's theories that uh, there's damage in your system and that cholesterol is actually helping to repair the damage. But anyway, it's a snapshot. So something like uh, iridology might help uh, you figure out as to, is, it, is that high cholesterol level an ongoing problem? Or is it just uh, temporary? Have you ever had an iridology study done? No, I haven't. I'd be curious because I get red, uh, like squiggly lines in the white parts of my eye. Yeah, you can go to the mirror, look in your eyes, the whites of your eyes especially. You can tell if, uh, you know, they're red, if they look a little yellow. That might be indicative of gallbladder liver issues. If you have a lot of uh, reddening of the eye, could mean you've got some irritation going on. You could have an infection going on. Look at your children and look at yourself. You know, it, it can begin a study or a thought process of doing that. Um, and there are, uh, like it says in Europe, uh, there are a lot more people doing it. I, when I spent some time in South America many years ago, and I was in my early 20s, went to a chiropractor who had a uh, special microscope that he looked at the eye with. Uh, today, you don't need that because you've got the scopes that work off your computer. He told me some different things and gave me some supplements, and he, he was also a chiropractic doctor and, and gave me an adjustment and uh, sent me on my way. And It is a natural form of diagnosis, not used so much here in the United States, but it's growing. And now it's got me sparked to maybe look a little deeper into it and maybe add it to my uh, bag of tools for diagnosing uh, health issues. I was going to ask you what type of uh, practitioners or doctors uh, use this. 
a variety. You'll find chiropractors, uh, doctors of chiropractic that use it, uh, naturopaths, um, acupuncturists, just about all the guys we've talked about. Uh, you can get certified in it. In the state of California, it's interesting, you can legally practice, call yourself a holistic health care provider without getting any certification or any kind of license. You can use that term and you can pretty much do anything that doesn't require a license. People, if you feel like you're, you know, you're educated enough to do that. So uh, I think uh, iridology would, would fall under that category. And wow. other things that we're going to talk about in the next couple podcasts, uh, reflexology and uh, uh, Reiki, you could perform those without a license. There's many so you just get certification, Dr. Kell? Yeah, you can get certifications. I don't even know that to call yourself a holistic health care provider. There are schools now that say come get certified in holistic health care, uh, but the state of California doesn't require those certifications. Uh, and, and I think a lot of countries around the world don't either. Uh, you want, you know, use that diagnostic tool of iridology or so many other little things. You want to um, have somebody come to you as a life coach, you know, a life coach, you can call yourself a life coach and do all kinds of things. I guess it's another way of um, just communicating with your body and listening to yes. it. Yes, you know, if you're doing something special and people come to see you for it and they get better, uh, they're going to tell their friends and, and whatever you're doing is, is going to grow. I'm kind of, yeah. I look at all the money and time I spent to go get my doctor of chiropractic and, and, and now <laughs> find many people doing some similar things with, uh, very little education, but I really don't care that much anymore. It's, it's, it's about helping people get better and feel better and be happier. And if that's the end result, uh, great. Definitely. I mean, that's why we're doing the podcast, right? Yes. Educating and helping. Yeah. We, you know, the, there's always time to time movements to let's get rid of those people out there. And it's usually by a big farm in the AMA. Uh, again, we talked about that. And we were talking about what is chiropractic, about the uh, oh, yeah. them, them trying to destroy uh, what they call quackery. And in the reality, it appears more about uh, limiting their competition than anything else. But uh, are there people out there, charlatans, selling some snake oil? You know, they make, make us all look like we're the guys from the old westerns uh, pulling around our little horse-drawn cart and and pulling out a bottle of uh, of elixir, claiming it can do just about anything for you when it had much of nothing in it at all. And so yeah. that's the comparison they use. Well, uh, are there people out there that maybe do that, that maybe con people? Uh, there could be, but I'll tell you, if if I got that bottle of elixir in, in the 1800s and, and I drank a little bit of I, I guarantee you they didn't put anything that was bad for you or, or be pretty stupid of them to do so, but just the placebo effect in and of itself... Uh, if if I took something and and I felt better, who cares whether <laughs> whether it was you know honey and syrup or whether it actually had a an actual direct benefit? If if you felt better afterwards, uh, now if if there was no benefit, you went away angry and felt like you were taken advantage of. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Uh, but I don't care what form of healthcare is out there, whether they went to a medical doctor and got medication or had surgery or or went to a doctor of chiropractic, an acupuncturist, or, or anybody else, not everybody's going to get a good result with everything out there that's available to them, and many. Uh, there might be. Uh, I wouldn't say many. I would say there's always going to be some that no matter what you do for them, their attitude and their perspective on life is it's never right, never good, never enough. And no matter what you do for them, it's not going to help them. So, you know yeah. what I mean? You've met those people? Mm -hmm. 
Yep. And if, yep. You're, if you're one of those people, the uh, story of the optimist and the pessimist, I, that's a good one. Um, actually, we have a few minutes. You want me to tell that story again, Nikki? Yeah, tell me the Just story. Just for those who might not <laughs> hear that podcast. Um, but, yeah. but these are the kind of people we're talking about, the optimist and the pessimist. I mean, it's so significant in our lives, our philosophy, the, our perception of everything makes such a difference in our general health. And we're going to talk about that when we get into the Reiki segment a little bit too. But the optimist and the pessimist. There were parents that had two sons. And many of you out there may have heard this. I'm probably still telling a version that's uh, similar. Anyway, they had the two sons. One was, uh, no matter what went on, he was always sad and miserable. No matter how good things were, or how wonderful, how much fun the, the family went out and did or had, he just never seemed to be happy. He was a cup half empty type of person. And uh, these these boys were, were twins. They were about 10 years old. And anyway, the his son, his name was Billy. Billy was always unhappy and sad. So then he had Johnny, and Johnny, he was the opposite. No matter what went on, this kid was happy. He saw the best in everything. The cup half full, uh, it was always great. He, he was just a wonderful kid, and, and everybody liked to be around him. But he drove his parents nuts, too. It was kind of a little... Both kids were on the extreme, so it was kind of hard to do things together and have family... <laughs> outings and all that so they went to a psychologist and said you know explain the situation and asked, what can we do the psychologist said here i have an idea let's this is all about balance we need you know it, it life is never as miserable as people see it life is never as great as people see it so we need to get both these kids more balanced in the center here and and recognize that uh, you know you don't have to be an extreme either way and so he said i want you to take the one kid billy's room and fill it with toys big mountain of toys and then just put him in the room leave him there for a few hours in the other room in johnny's room i want you to go in and fill the room with horse manure all the way to the ceiling just a big mountain of it and you go and set him in there and leave him in there for a few hours that should take care of this problem okay so they did that and they first they decided to go into billy's room and they walk in and and after a few hours and billy's just sitting on the ground and he's crying and whimpering and like what is going on, Billy? Why are you not playing with these toys? He said, oh, Mom, Dad, thanks so much for, for doing this for me, but I just can't play with the toys. I'm afraid I'll damage them, I'll break them, I'll ruin the packaging. Uh, it's just, just, I just can't do it. And they're just like, oh, my goodness, okay. All right, well, that didn't work. Let's, let's go see if this therapy helped Johnny. So they go into Johnny's room and there is horse manure everywhere. It's on the walls. It's all over the floor. It's everywhere. And they're looking for Johnny. And at first they don't notice where he is, but then they look at the pile and they notice this opening in the pile. And they start to look inside there and they see down and he's tunneled inside the pile and he's down inside there. And they're like, Johnny, Johnny, what are you doing? Get out of there. And he comes out he says, Mom, Dad, you can't fool me. I know there's a pony under all this horse manure somewhere. <laughs> Isn't that life? Though, think about it. How, how are we? Uh, we can be. We can learn to be happy in the worst of circumstances, and we can be miserable in the happiest of circumstances. Right? Yeah. Have you been with those people? Uh, I, you know, after having a total of seven kids. And I'm sure with your three, you go do something as a family. Not every kid's happy about everything you do. Some of them, right, are excited and having a good time, and some mm -hmm. aren't 
Have you ever had that? Oh yeah, they're all different. Yep, each activity. Yeah, and yep. So not everybody enjoys the same things or has a perception right. of enjoyment out of the same things. Right. Yeah. But there are those people, no matter where you go or what you do, they're always smiling and having a good time. And there yeah. are those that no matter what you do or where you go, they're always kind of miserable. <laughs> so, uh, gut <laughs> and <laughs> life and all these things play a part in your perception of the world. The more and more scientific studies are showing that uh, so many things affect our emotions. And everything from what we eat to the bacteria in our stomach, to the function of our organs and in our brain. And uh, that's why we're here. That's why we're talking about this. We want to help all the pessimists out there, and we want to help ourselves be more optimistic about everything we do in life. Right, Nikki? Yeah, yeah when you feel better, you, the world's better. You know? Isn't it? Everything is better. People yeah, are more successful, feel. right? Yep. Absolutely. You have more energy. Yeah, you just wake up feeling like the world is good. Yeah, and that's not to say that a, a miserable person can't become financially successful. I know there are people out there that are very financially successful, but they're most miserable people on the planet. And those are the ones who go after, could care less of the end result of what they do to get their money. Uh, they just grab it and grab as much as they can and could care less as to what the effect is upon those they sell something to or what service they provide them. They just want to grab their money. And typically that kind of perception in the world makes that person miserable. You know, part of what makes us happy is, is helping and doing for others and not just being selfish about ourselves, right? Yeah, definitely connecting with others. Yep. Well, right. I, I, I'm talked out on this one. How about you? Yeah, that was really interesting. I have not been to an iridologist before. I think that would be really interesting to have someone, you know, examine your eye and tell you a little bit about what's going on in your body. I really enjoyed that. Well, it's a so. growing uh, a growing form of diagnosis in the United States now and definitely something you're probably not going to see done by your MD, but uh, uh, your alternative health care provider, uh, you'll see it more and more and it is another form of diagnosis and it's, it's a very mild form of diagnosis. It's non-invasive. You don't have to take a bunch of tests uh, they just look inside your eye and and check it with the chart and with their knowledge and, and help to diagnose the condition and, and provide you with a plan on how to improve your health off of that diagnosis or oftentimes you'll find like in the instance if we add it you know what I mean the toolbox you know, to the toolbox that yep. uh, it just helps us uh, confirm better the uh, way to help you. I should also mention, you know, that uh, iridology, as well as the many forms of, of diagnostic tools that we use to figure out what your problem is, we're, we're not necessarily looking for a diagnosis like a medical doctor would. And, and they take a disease, they, they basically have created all these diseases by formulating a, they make a list. Okay, let's see, we got these thousands of people and they have all these symptoms in common. Okay, we're going to call that this disease, and we're going to call that this disease, and we're going to call this over here this disease because they have 10 of the 15 symptoms correlate, and then they label it. So that way they can say, this drug you give for this condition, and we've diagnosed it because you have these 10 positive symptoms. They go through and they figure out, whereas you look at it from our perspective, from a natural health care provider perspective, 
even though we are very knowledgeable about uh, the diseases that, that, the, that the medical community has created or decided these group of symptoms tie into, uh, we're knowledgeable of that. As a doctor of chiropractic, we're taught all those things and we're taught what the different diseases are from a medical perspective. But when we're diagnosing things here in the office, we're looking at the cause of those symptoms, not necessarily looking to be able to label them to have a given disease. So we're looking at, okay, you have these 10 symptoms. Well, what's causing those symptoms? Is it your a sick gut? Uh, is your gastrointestinal system messed up? Is your liver not working right? Your kidneys not working right? Uh, your adrenal glands, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What part of your body is, is dysfunctioning that's producing these symptoms and what do we need to get it functioning again? What do we need to do to heal it? So we look at it from a different perspective. We, we want to uh, not cover it up. We don't want to just send you away with, uh, with some pills that will make you feel better or get you out of pain. We want to figure out what's the cause of that pain and resolve it and stop it. And so we look at things from a different angle. And, uh, you know, it's like we may be all looking at a pretty car, but we may be looking from a different perspective if there's something wrong with that car to evaluate how to fix it. We're not cars, we're human beings and far more complicated. But, <laughs> but it yeah. takes a, a good perspective to really figure out how to help someone. Yeah. We don't believe in cutting things out unless absolutely necessary. And in some cases, people are so far gone, you can't fix it naturally. Anyway, or, or there's injuries, damage that uh, you got to yeah. deal with. Accident. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kell. Um, I wanted to mention to our listeners, if you have any questions that you're curious about and you want Dr. Kell to discuss on the show, you can email healthtalkwithdrkell at gmail.com. And that's D-R-K-E-L-L at gmail.com. Um, also, thank you to our sponsor, Ocean Bay Naturals. Uh, you can go to oceanbaynaturals.com to find their products that are all natural and skin healing. Um, they're wonderful. I use them every day. Um, anything else that you wanted to mention, Dr. Kell? Uh, we, um, by the time this podcast airs, uh, we will have up our website with standard process called holistichealth.standardprocess.com. So you can go on there and order st- standard process supplements. The prices are less expensive than you would find uh, on Amazon and other sites. Also, we recommend that if you're going to do that, uh, whether it's with us or with someone else, you get evaluated to know what to take, that you just don't randomly go, okay, I'll just try this or try that. There are supplements specifically beneficial to certain conditions, but without a real evaluation, once again, you don't want to just go, I have this one symptom, oh, I must need this. You really need, like we talked about earlier, you need to go to someone who's been trained, who knows, who's had experience, to help you along the path. Uh, it, sometimes we think it's cheaper just to go try to do it ourselves. I can't count the number of times, when I was, especially when I was younger, I'm going to go fix that thing with my car. And uh, before I was done, it cost me more money trying to do it than would have if I had just taken it to someone who knew what they were doing. However, over time, I did learn things, and, and now I can do it for less. But I had to gain that education through experience. And oftentimes, you know, people come in, they'll have a specific symptoms, issues. Uh, we give them uh, a list of supplements they need to take for that condition. And it's ironic, too, but we all do this. You get that list, you go take the supplements, you start improving your health, you start eating right, 
and then sometimes you backslide or or go back to your old habits because you're feeling good and you think okay i i'm feeling so great i can go back and eat all the junk again and Mm -hmm. uh, and then it comes back well it may come back in the same form now we always suggest if it does come back and you've lost track and you're not following the program come back in again and get reevaluated because there may be other things we need to give you or provide you but a lot of people go oh i took this this and this the last time i'll just go do the same thing well sometimes that works and if that's the way you need to go go ahead uh, but if it doesn't ultimately work for you, uh, come on in and uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, the body's always changing, right? So sometimes yes. you need to update. And you're yeah. aging. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Our podcast drops every Tuesday. So be sure to watch for our next one that's coming out on Tuesday. Thanks, Dr. Cal. Thank you, Nikki. Everyone take care. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.